Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode. So glad to be back in the studio here with you instead of being in Arkansas. Man, I feel like I have lived uh, seven lifetimes in the last two weeks. And it, it has been a lot of really high highs and really low lows and a uh, mixture of it all and had some really scary moments and and then some miraculous moments. And so as we record this, my sister is preparing to be discharged from the hospital and getting to go straight home, not to a rehab facility or anything like that, which has just been amazing considering that going into the surgery, the prognosis was fairly grim of possibly a fatal surgery or even if survival, it being maybe a year and it being a pretty low quality of life and mm-hmm. Man, there's a lot. And so set with her two nights before the surgery as we got that news and processed it. And, you know, you've heard people say things like, what would you do if you had one day to live? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so me and my sister literally planned it out. We were like, okay, so you got potentially just one day, right? I mean, you could go into the surgery and not come out the same person yeah. or come out at all. And so we planned a day. And she had a wonderful Shanna Day. The mayor of Conway literally declared it legally Shanna Smith Day. Yeah. So we had a massive party at Tacos for Life. Shout out to Tacos for Life. If you see a Tacos for Life, you should go in and support them. They fed like 40 people for a patio party that she wanted to have and did not charge us a dime. Wow. And the founder of Tacos for Life and the staff came and prayed over my sister we were, she goes to Second Baptist Conway, pastored by Josh King, formerly of the replant team. And so he and many people in the church prayed over her and had a good prayer service. And then, man, God did a miracle. The surgery, surgery happens and we were told it would be eight to 10 hours or more. They go in, they immediately contacted us and said the tumor was significantly smaller than the MRI had indicated. And the surgery took like three hours instead of eight, 10 or more. And they got 90% of it out. And she is cognitively pretty much her old self. She's got some physical recovery to go. And we still have some things we are definitely praying for, that there's no indication of cancer, grade three, and some follow-up MRIs in six weeks to see some things. So keep praying, man. Thank you so much to the boot camp, to you, Bob. Thanks for covering last week. It was a great episode. And man, praise God. What, what a miracle. Man, thank you for sharing that with us and allow us to look in and walk with you even from afar from that. And I think, you know, you're a good brother, right? You're you're there for your sis and, and your family and, and uh, you're the pastor. So they're all probably trying to look at you as the pastor, you know, what, what do you do and what do you say? So that's got to be a lot of pressure and you're far away from home, absent from your family. And, um, and so I think, you know, it's important to be with family in, in those significant times. And really, I think just watching your, your experience through this taught me a couple things. One is just be intentional when you're with people. 
right? Mm-hmm. Engage with them, say what needs to be said, you know, laugh, hold hands, cry, you know, just, just engage people and, and engage intentionally. And, and then I think just ask for prayer, right? You ask, we kind of, you put it out there, we put it out there on the boot camp. you put it out on social media, you know, Kevin Izell, our uh, president of North American Mission Board, you know, reached out and others were reaching out. So I think that that it's just important to let people know when you have some significant concerns to pray, pray for you, to be with you. So it's really cool to see, you know, how the local church came together, how Tacos for Life, and I would echo that. That's a great company with the missions emphasis and stop by when you're in Arkansas or wherever they have a location and check them out. And again, thanks to the bootcamp family and our friends. Yeah, I had a lot of I had a lot of boot campers reach out and yeah. let me know that they were praying for her. And so, man, I, I just I can't thank you enough. Keep praying for we're not a hundred percent out of the woods yet, but man, we are way more out of it than we had anticipated we would be at this point. To to think that she is going home today as we record this on Monday of this week is pretty incredible to think about. I'll tell you one of the two two more things. One encouraged me about my sister and then in her faith and two the role some friends played that I think could transition us into our topic for today. One is in those moments knowing that she may not come out of the surgery or she does maybe not the same had some really good conversations with her privately. And one thing that she wanted everyone to know was that God is good, even if he didn't heal her. Mm, Wow. It was really, really important to her that we communicate to everyone that God is good and faithful uh, and just and merciful, even if she didn't come out of the surgery or come out of it the same. And she, I mean, heavily emphasized that to me. And that was just so sobering and encouraging to me in her faith. Because for her to say that, I mean, there was a lot at stake at that time. And for that to be a concern of hers just shows how real and grounded her faith really is. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the other gift that we had was, and this will transition us into our topic today of encouragement. On our way home, it was quite a drive. And so we decided not to do it all in one day because we were pretty wiped, pretty exhausted. Audrey had been kind of on kid duty, our kids and her kids the whole time. And I'd been on wrangling adult duty. (laughs) Which is more exhausting sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And so, man, God knew what a gift we needed. And so we were able to stop by and stay the night with some friends and stay up and play rummy and laugh. And our kids played with their kids and we had ate some good jambalaya and man, it was just a good, good time. And they were just encouragers. And I did not realize how much I needed that night to help me re-enter back into society. I also needed a very long nap. But the encouragement I got from those friends, and I, so today, it's taken us a minute to get there, and I appreciate your patience on the long intro and updates of my sister. But today, we want to talk about the importance of encouragement. Yeah. And especially for those who are steadfast in the work of church leadership and replanting and revitalization. And uh, man, there are some unsung heroes in a lot of this process that don't don't get a lot of press. And I think it's important to take some time to talk about encouraging them. Absolutely. You know, since we've been looking for a church family, we've landed at a church that really is a replant of a replant. And it's it's close to our house. And, and we got to go out to lunch with 
a couple when he's an elder and, and his wife is real involved with the ladies and they're an older couple older than us. And we're just talking with him about the, the time in between and the times where there were question marks about the church. And it made me think of not only him, but of, of a guy named Adam who was at our church before we got there and replanted. And in every replant, there's typically, there's some really good stellar folks who are there with the express calling by God. And Tom mentioned that the guy I met with on Sunday, he just said, we felt called by God to stay hmm. and to see this church through. Hmm. And uh, Adam was the same, same one, uh, same way. And as I was talking about just my desire to be an encourager, he he just paused and said, you know what? I could use some of that because it was really hard. Yeah. And so it just got me thinking, you know, in every, every consultation we do, Jimbo, every church replant that we kind of step into, every replant that our boot campers are leading, there's some good folks, but there's some, there's some difficult folks, but there's some good folks. And there's probably one or two good matriarchs or patriarchs who felt called by God just to stick it out and to fight for the future of the church. And so I want to say that those persons are steadfast and they are in need of encouragement. So I just quickly thought about four reasons why we should, as replant pastors, as encouragers in the church, why we should re- reach out and encourage the steadfast. So the first one is they need it, right? They just need it. Yeah. <laughs> can you think about months and months of like just struggle and fighting and fussing and then question marks and financial concerns and all those sorts of things? And so there's a lot of people who've just been steadfast and they need it. So I love this verse in Proverbs. 11, chapter 11, verse 25, it says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Hmm. And so the particularly the last part of it, whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That steadfast person has been, you know, they've been trying to, to encourage others and to love others and to correct others and all those sorts of things. And when you're in that role, man, there's not a lot of people who want to like encourage you, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're shooting arrows at you. And Tom mentioned this. He said, man, there's so many times where I just felt pulled in both directions because there's their church basically merged with another church and called a pastor. And then that pastor left like several months in and mm. a lot of people left and they, he was just trying to hold it together. And so he did a great job, but he's tired and he needs to be encouraged. So later on this week, I'm, I'm planning on, I have his email address. I'm just going to write him an email and tell him how thankful I am for his, his work. So boot camper layperson, there's probably a person in, in the church who tried to hold things together. And, and I think they just need to be encouraged. They absolutely do need that. And I mean, I can tell you when I've gone into some churches to do consults, how in that first meeting we talk about, as we train people to go into those sorts of processes, we always tell them that very first meeting, don't come in as a consultant. Mm-hmm. Don't come in as a statistician or a missiologist or, or any of those things. Come in pastorally and pastor the room, listen to them. And man, I can, I can remember multiple times when I've gotten to be in that first meeting and just speak encouragement to those dear saints. Because by the time that they have asked for our help in those situations, they're probably in a pretty dark spot. And mm-hmm. it seems a little bit hopeless even at times. And, and so before we start talking strategy or any of those things, and I think it's just important just to strengthen them. It's one of the things I, I've loved in the book of Acts. I go back to a lot. And I consider it part of my calling is it possibly the Apostle Paul plants churches. And there are a few times where it says he goes back and strengthens the disciples. Yeah. That he goes back and just, and, I, and I, I'm without a doubt, 
I don't think I'm reading too much in to believe that encouragement is a part of that process. Because one of the good <laughs> good news things that we see even in Scripture is if your church is struggling, well, welcome to the club. Yeah. We don't see a whole lot of like, hey, you guys are doing so amazing. This church is just killing it. You you guys are, are just doing so great in the Bible even, right? I mean, they're— <laughs> Yeah. There are Pauline epistles where Paul starts out really nice, but he eventually gets to things that need to be corrected and established. I mean, then there's, then there's the book of Galatians where he doesn't even start out with nice things. <laughs> and so this is how it is, right? That There are things to commend and there are things to correct, as we have discussed before. But in that, I, even though it's, we've discussed the seven letters to the churches in Revelation start with things that the Lord commends, that he encourages them. Hey, here's some things you guys are doing well. And so find ways to, especially those lay leaders who have kind of held the fort down mm-hmm. in those times of transition. It's especially if you're new as a replanter or pastor into that situation, your mind is probably almost entirely focused future oriented, looking forward. And you can look back on the legacy and you build on that, but don't miss the like a more immediate history of just how hard it's been to come to this decision to be replanted or to enter into revitalization and admit that you need help. Absolutely. The next thing I thought about was the steadfast need to be encouraged because they've done really good hard work, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody signs up to say, let me be the one to try to keep this church focused on what it needs to focus on until we can, you know, receive God's leader and pray together and move forward. And so the verse that came to mind is Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Right. Jimbo, uh, you, you know, from personal experience, it is hard to keep people who don't like each other, who disagree with you, with each other in unity. Right. And it's hard to keep them peaceful. And so there are folks who have to walk towards conflict and shepherd people or keep people from fighting and fussing, keep, you know, after the bad business meeting, they have to, if somebody makes a, a comment and pops off, they have to step up and, and try to bring the group back to some sense of unity. So those people who do that need encouragement because it's been hard, hard work, but it's been good work that they've been doing. Yeah, it, it has been good work. I mean, it's it is spiritual maturity. Listening to last week's episode that you did with a guest talking about the the merger of those two churches, and he said something so good. He said it was the maturity mm-hmm. of the legacy church and their humility to recognize that a merger was the healthiest move for them that really helped make this happen and make this work. Mm-hmm. That man, that's that is not easy work. And that requires spiritual maturity, and that requires an understanding of our role. And we put so much emphasis on the leadership of the pastors, but man, it the, no pastor can replant or revitalize a church by himself. No, no pastor. There's not there's not one that exists that's good enough to do it by himself. Mm-hmm. It it requires the the hard work and sacrifice of the steadfast people of the church. Mm-hmm. It does. We're thankful for those brothers and sisters who do it. And it's a thankless job. And and I think of the stress that I go home and used to go home with on a regular basis as a replanter and how how it kept me up at night. And it was good work, but man, it was hard work. So we want to we want to encourage them. The next thing I thought about is we should encourage the steadfast because they've endured loss. Hmm. They've endured loss. The the 
gentleman I was dealing with, or dealing with, the gentleman I was having lunch with yesterday, he just talked with great heartache about when they merged those two churches and then the pastor left pretty quickly. And then people just started leaving. He, he that was just hard for them. And he and his wife both said, we, we just felt called to stay. And so we've, we've stayed and we wanted to stay and, and we knew we had to stay. And so there's a lot of loss that happens when a church goes through a difficult season. Loss of people is typically one of the first things that happens. Then loss of ability to do certain kinds of programming that are geared towards reaching the people or taking care of kids even. And so we need to encourage them because they've endured loss. You know, I think of this, this kind of directs me to First Thessalonians 5 when Paul is writing to the church there and saying, we don't want you to grieve like people who are uninformed, mm. right? That you have no hope in this world. And they're thinking about those who have left them and who've gone on and have died. And Paul lays it out there and just wants them to know that, you know, it's important for you to understand what's taking place. And so in the section, he he just says in, that Christ died for us so that whether we are awake or we are asleep, we may live together with him. And then he says this in verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are now doing. Hmm. Right. So there's this idea of the, the need to encourage one another in seasons of loss and seasons of heartache and seasons where sin is, is ravaged and, and where things have fallen apart. And so I would just say, man, encourage the steadfast because they've endured loss yeah. uh, in, in so many ways. Yeah, I think about one of the hard points in our church's history when we lost a lot of people. And I remember a senior adult lady that a lot of her friends had left the church. And she came to me and she said, look, I know that these people have left, but I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. And if you'll still have me, I want to see what God's going to do as we continue to pursue his will. And man, she became such a huge blessing to me. But part of my role as the pastor then was to just help her grieve the loss. And it's and that's complicated and hard because some of her friends that left left because of me, because <laughs> yeah. they because they didn't like me, because they didn't like the way that I was leading. And and so you're helping somebody grieve loss that you've helped initiate. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was really gracious to me in those times as well. And man, I couldn't I can't be thankful enough for what I saw uh, God do through her in my life in that time. But don't don't miss that, man. It's not just that people left the church. It's that friends and family and connections that were really, really important to them have left the church. And that's hard and it needs to be processed. Yeah. I think the, the most significant pain that I felt in ministry is when people that I invested in and loved and really, you know, sought to help move forward in their walk with Jesus and their relationship with other uh, one another when they picked up and just left. Right. Mm. And some some would tell you they were leaving and some would tell you why, which is somewhat helpful at times, unless it's just some leaving because you right? that's not real helpful. But the most significant pain I think I've ever felt in ministry is just losing people. Right. Yeah. People that you love. And so just remember the steadfast who are there before you, they've endured loss and they have been they've had the maturity, the spiritual maturity to say, I, I'm going to stick this out because this is God's church. And God has a work here to do, and I want to be a part of that. That's a level of spiritual maturity that you should not discount whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Here's the last thing I got. We should encourage the steadfast because encouraging words are a blessing. 
Proverbs 25, 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples in gold settings of silver, right? Now, I think that's a jewelry reference, Jimbo, and I'm not a jewelry guy. I, you know, I've got the CrossFit ring and I think, you know, you've got the, the electronic ring, the Iron Man ring, I think that, that <laughs> tells you how, like if you're breathing okay and if, you know, you need to eat more vegetables and all those sorts of things, right? So, so let's think about your ring. It's like a beautiful thing that's like valuable and full of technology. Well, this is kind of this verse is like, man, an encouraging word is like one of the most valuable and beautiful things that you can give somebody. Yeah. And here's what I would say about that. There's a file in my file folder cabinet that has encouraging notes in it from years ago that people have sent Right. And so one of the things that I used to do on a regular basis is when I was feeling down, I would just get that out and just read through those. Yep. And boot campers, you may be the recipient of anonymous letters and emails. Sorry about that. <laughs> when you get a good word, when you get a card, when somebody says something that's super encouraging to you, man, record that in your journal and go back to that. Yes. Right? Because that is a beautiful thing. We don't do it enough. And so we just need to encourage the steadfast because, man, there's nothing more valuable than an encouraging word. And it costs you nothing but it means can mean everything to the person that receives it. Yeah, you have no idea how powerful a word of encouragement can be. I remember seeing something on Twitter recently. I can't remember who it was. It said something like, I, it was a writer, and he said, I've said this before, but it's worth saying again, I'm a writer because when I was in, in like elementary school, a teacher looked at something I wrote and said, oh, you could be a writer when you grow up, and it just stayed with him mm-hmm. forever. And mm-hmm. I mean, you have no idea the power of your words as, as James gives us plenty of, in Proverbs, gives us plenty of information about just the power of our words to be uh, life-giving and uh, uplifting. And man, what a, what a real blessing it can be. It can change your day. It can change your life to just speak encouragement. I, I have the same kind of file folder, Bob, of encouraging notes I have received. <laughs> I, I had one card that I hid from my wife, but she found it in my desk. <laughs> Uh-oh. Because <laughs> it was it was to my wife, and I didn't want her to read it because it was not nice. And <laughs> at the end, it said, she always laughs about this. At the end, the lady said, I love you because Jesus tells me I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, even though I'm ashamed of you, right? Like that. <laughs> so just so you know, that's not what encouragement looks like. No, no. Encouragement is specific, right? It's, man, it's just, there's nothing like hearing just a specific, good, powerful word on here. And we've had some good episodes even talking about this, I believe with Halleck. And he's got such a, he's got a couple of good books, The Relentless Encourager, Be a Barnabas. He's got a book called Be a Barnabas that is uh, for replanters and revitalizers and the importance of encouragement. I would encourage you, man, don't think of this as a throwaway episode or anything. This is, this is so important. This is so needed to think through these things and figure out how do, how do we intentionally on purpose on a regular daily basis be an encourager to others because we need it. Yeah. This will go back to the verse that we started with. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And so I just want to give, I want to issue a challenge to the boot campers out there just to simply say this. Why don't you go on a 30 day encouragement journey mm. and just every day try to encourage people around you, your spouse, your kids, you know, people that you meet 
all those sorts of things. Just in the person at the license bureau, the person's at the checkout stand, you know, that kind of thing. And just be an encourager. One of the things I, Jimbo, I got my uh, driver's license renewed. I'll end with this story real quick, but I got my driver's license renewed. And I was, I was kind of, you know, you go to the DMV, it's not great. So, you know, I was in there and I was watching people and the lady was kind of grumpy that, and I was hoping that I wouldn't get the hurt, but I got, I got her, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I leaned over to tell Barb, I was like, I, she's kind of mean and gripey, right? And so I was like, oh, great. So I walk up to her, Jimbo, and then she would like, something's flipped. Like she flipped the switch and was like the friendliest, nicest lady to me. And she said this to me. She said, you've been sitting there just waiting really patient. And I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I was like, okay. And so we had a laughter. We, you know, we had kind of an exchange. It was really good. And so I just think, man, be encouraged wherever you go. You could really make a difference. And it might open up gospel opportunity for you to share that your hope is in Christ, not in the things, the substance that happens to you. So, yeah. man, just be encouraged. Take the 30-day challenge. Let us know what goes on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.